Hi, I'm Bethany Godso, the Associate Vice President for Career and Leadership Development at the NYU Wasserman Center, and this is All in a Day's Work, the podcast we've created for you. The NYU network is expansive, and each member of our community has an array of unique experiences. All in a Day's Work will bring you episodes featuring members of the NYU community doing interesting work and navigating the professional world. We're excited to share their stories with you. We hope you enjoy. Hi, podcast listeners. This is Haley Garofala with All in a Day's Work. And today we're talking to Rima Dutt and Sanya Jankar of Luminous Studios. Rima and Sanya are entrepreneurs, they're NYU alumni and friends. So I wanted to start off with asking you two about how your friendship started at NYU and how that developed into where you find yourselves today as co-founders and leaders of a video production company. So basically, well, Rima and I met in NYU freshman year. Through some common friends, we ended up actually rooming together, and that's how we got to know each other. And then it really started off as a very naive friendship in terms of helping each other out on on our projects and whatnot. For instance, I used to do a lot of short films during my sophomore year and then Rima would help me with things like props or, you know, sound or something else. And and then I in return, I would give her the credit as a producer. And we ended up making a feature film from my first screenplay. Rima was very excited about it. So she ended up producing it. I was directing it and then That was the first big project that we officially did. And from there on, it's been a bunch of feature films. And then about five, six years ago, this translated into a partnership of this business called Luminous Studios, which is now a video production company. What were the steps that you took when you were starting out to create the company? So... As Sonia mentioned, you know, we graduated NYU and then we both actually worked in the corporate world for a bit and sort of moonlit our projects on the side as just creative passions. And then about six years ago is when we sort of saw this this merging of entertainment, media and tech happening. And we saw a lot of younger companies wanting to leverage video, but realizing that they don't have several million dollars to make an Apple commercial. And that's when we said that, you know, we can leverage our independent film skills and serve this this group of people and kind of fill this gap in the market. But when we started, it was very much kind of like a shell of a company. And we first got clients and we did everything for them at cost just to kind of prove ourselves and give some credibility that, oh, we, we can make you commercials. We know how branded products work. Once we started seeing that and we got good feedback, we were able to produce high level work. That's sort of what, what was the catalyst I know you two have had each other throughout this process, which I'm sure has been a really great support system, but I'm curious, were there other people or resources that were especially important in the company's growth and development? We did make a lot of contacts, I would say, when we were in the film world. So we had a lot of crew members we enjoyed working with. We have post-production houses that we had relationships with. So I think when we actually started the company, we definitely had contacts and a network of people that we could rely on for different things and that we trusted to some extent. I know that, for instance, there was a sound design company that is actually in Jersey and we ended up 
using them for our film and they never did any commercials or anything up until then but once we started luminous and we ever wanted anything to do with sound design we had such a good relationship with them we ended up getting them on board even though they didn't have any commercials experience and now it's been you know 5 6 years later and they're still pretty much our go to company so i think we did definitely have relationships and then we leveraged them for the during setting this up networking is kind of that that buzzword that we all really don't like to do especially when we're starting out our careers but everyone tells us oh you should do it networking is everything i think a big part of what we've learned and we continue to learn today is we live in a world of instant gratification where it's kind of like you go to an event and you want to be like oh you know this is what i do hire me and then if they don't call you in 5 days you just get like oh see this is never going to work but the truth is you know it it can take months or years and if you try to strike an authentic relationship and connect with them on another level they will remember you when they have the need for whatever it is you offer if you start networking when you need networking it's too late so you should be networking before anything so basically you should be networking all the time whether you're in college or whether you're after college or whether you're a successful company or a startup or whether you're a ceo opportunities come from places unknown and the organic opportunities are the best kind of opportunities and the other thing to add again to what rima said as well is be really authentic it's best if you're going to enjoy that partnership as well don't pitch to every single person like talk to people as if you're really curious about knowing about their products like see if something that they're actually saying does resonate with you that's a great point you know thinking of networking in terms of quality over quantity how did you identify your market as you were getting started and how did you begin to find clients for yourselves we basically got two clients through just referrals so we were known you know in our networks and even our just personal friend group so network also means that right just your friends and the people that you know people you go to college with they knew we were producers right they knew we had something to do with video and creative and i remember we had two opportunities to kind of make some content and it's funny because it sort of came our way because we were making it known that this is what we do and we created something really good and then we took that and leveraged it to kind of then proactively say hey we create commercials now you know we create short form branded content and we do it really well for XYZ company and this company and then so we we definitely targeted startups and younger companies because that was the market we were able to serve but this kind of natural progression happened where as we got to create more content and prove our quality and our credibility we're also able to elevate and kind of shift tiers so we started with anyone and anyone we could get so these are even startups that barely have funds so like i said we just did work at cost for a little while and then we slowly were like okay let's work with funded startups cuz then they have something that they can actually invest into this video so we can create something even more effective and as we built our portfolio we were able to kind of move ourselves into a space where now we work with you know medium to large size brands and almost enterprise level companies so you kind of have to go through this i would say journey of being open to opportunities and take whatever you can get and then use that to slowly define who your audience is and who you can serve as you talk a little bit more about your journey and how you've become what you are today what have been some of the bigger challenges in having your own company and how would you say that resilience or adaptability have played into your success as entrepreneurs 
there have been challenges throughout you know when we started off it was like lots of enthusiasm but you know really not knowing where your next project is coming from and then over time we've built partnerships and whatnot and while now we have lots of projects coming our way and now we are trying to figure out how can we make the projects more qualified for what we are doing it's really just has been a process of discovery and yes, the challenges have been many, but I think speaking of like currently, for instance, COVID obviously is a unique challenge, not just for us, but almost every company out there or every entrepreneur out there. We know companies that have completely halted and let go of a lot of their employees or changed them from full time to freelancers just to survive this period. And then there are some of the companies that have just flourished and taken upon this whole challenge of video production and converted their services from video to live streaming. It's important to be really adaptable because especially with tech, if you're not kind of willing to evolve with it, you can be left behind. And I would actually just add on to that from like a, a business perspective, there's like these periods where will kind of get over one challenge and something new will present itself. I mean, that that's just kind of the journey of being an entrepreneur. Like you're basically trying to find stability in something that is very unstable. You know, for example, like we started seeing a lot of momentum and, you know, fortunately we're doing quite well, but at the, at the same time doing well means an operational challenge. Well, how many people do you want to hire? How much investment do you want to make into that? And then, you know, it's not like you're always predicting your business. It's not like we know Q4 of 2022, what we're going to be doing, you know? So there's definitely a little bit of that chicken and eggs that kind of happens a lot on the production side of things. It's very applicable to just running your own business for sure. We'll be right back to our episode after this quick tip from Nia Beresford. If you're thinking about applying to grad school, here's some things you should consider. Going to grad or professional school is a great way to learn more about a field, expand on the skills you learn as an undergrad, or make a career transition. Applying to a grad or professional program can be an exciting but anxious time, and it's a big decision. Preparation is key to having a smooth application process. First, research different schools and different programs. Several schools might offer the same type of degree, but can have very different curriculums and requirements. Determine what's important to you. Do you care about name recognition of a school or program? Do you care about what faculty are working in that program? Does location matter to you? Does cost? Does job prospects after graduation? Speak to people who are currently in grad school or who have already completed it. Attend info sessions for different schools and programs. Research faculty who are working in the programs you're considering applying to. After doing some research, Make a list of the schools you definitely plan on applying to and find out what the application requirements are for each school. You'll need to start to think about test prep if standardized tests such as the GRE are required for the program you want to apply to. You'll also need to decide who you want to ask for a recommendation letter. Ask former professors and professional contacts who you have a great rapport with. Start writing your personal statement or statement of purpose and have a couple of people review it you'll probably edit it a few times before submitting. Lastly, if you do decide to apply to grad school, enjoy your free time before you start this new journey of going back to school. And now, back to the episode. 
shifting gears a little bit, can you walk us through the life cycle of a typical project that you might work on? So from getting the assignment, to turning over a finished product to a client? So in terms of the process, usually it's all our videos are extremely customized. So it's the process kind of changes with each project, but essentially it starts off with prep. We're really understanding what your client is looking for, who is their target demographic, where is the video going to live, what format it should be in, how to make sure you make the video unskippable. Like if it's playing, it's a YouTube ad. So things of that nature, what are the key things that are going to hold the video together? Once we have that, we focus a lot on prep at Luminous. So we end up kind of giving a lot of importance to strategy behind video, like the tactic behind making each second more and more engaging as you keep watching it. Once we have that, we draft a script. Then it's the fun part, which is production, which is we spend about 10 to 14 days to prep a project in terms of casting, crew and equipment, who's gonna work on it, are we going to shoot in LA or New York? What kind of gear we're going to use? Once we do that, it's about a day or two of filming. So again, the most fun day we have as filmmakers is when you're on set. And then a couple of weeks of post-production, which is editing and color collection and sound design and doing a few rounds of revisions with the client. So just the whole gamut, really. I know that the two of you refer to yourselves as storytelling specialists. And so I'm curious, how do you tell a good story? I think you you don't tell a good story, you find a good story first, right? Like I think a lot of it is discovery. When we talk to brands, when we talk to clients, we ask them a lot of questions and we really try to figure out what is it that the brand really represents? Who who are the target demographic and what kind of a story is it actually telling? And then we can figure out how to tell that story effectively. So that in terms of actually storytelling, traditionally, any story is kind of told in the beginning, middle, end format. Whether you're doing advertising for anything, you have a beginning which is essentially setting up the problem. This is why you are not sleeping well. Are you not sleeping well? Making sure that the target demographic is really identifying with what your setup is. That's your beginning. Your middle is your solution. You know, what is the hence these eyeglasses that are going to solve all your problems and you're going to sleep well or relax. And then the end, which can be so many different components. It can be benefits of your furthering, why those glasses are really great for you, or it can be more of a payoff, a twist in the story. So again, storytelling is so varied and you can find so many different ways of telling the story. Audiences now are very used to fast-paced, quick storytelling. So how do you tell a story in six seconds? So we really try to bring it down to the core of it. What is the reason someone's actually buying some Something or invested in something and really being, again, authentic about it. Of course, you try to find that balance between the creative component of your work and the business side of the work. So can you share a little bit more about how you remain true to your mission as storytellers and creatives while making sure that you're meeting your strategic and financial goals as well? Striking that balance is definitely one of the maybe barriers to entry to kind of take a creative skill or passion that you have and create a business out of it, it means you kind of have to know you're going to make some compromises. So at the end of the day, what we do is client work. So that does mean sometimes if we have this cool creative idea that we want to do for a brand, they might not want to go for it. They might not have the budget for it, or it might not match their other marketing initiatives. And that's just a reality of it. I mean, a reality of if you're going to try and take your creative skill and put it into a business format, it's no longer a passion project. 
So we keep the business to the business and the luxury is that we get to still tell stories, we get to produce content, we get to be on set, which gives us a lot of satisfaction. And then on the side, we have passionate ideas or cool concepts that we'll work on just personally. Sonia and I started, like we said, you know, we're very passionate about women's initiatives. So we started a Women Create series a few years ago, where it's just kind of a pro bono video that we do each year of our own idea that we kind of shoot out on our own on the side. And those are the types of things that get to fulfill any sort of creativity that's missing or that we can't really express in our other work. You can't come into this field. And I think that's where a lot of people struggle saying that, well, you know, I'm a writer or I'm a director and this is the way it has to be, or this is my vision or feeling too emotional about not being able to go full throttle with your creativity. That's just the trade-off of being able to run it like a business. So expanding on that, some people who do creative work worry that if they do turn it into a business or a paying job, that some of the joy that they get from it will disappear. Are there ways that you've been able to prevent that from happening or really feel like you're honing in on your craft still? When you have a creative skill or you're in a creative field, there's a lot of passion that comes with that. But oftentimes we are taught or what we learn is that when you're passionate about something, you love it all the time. You know, it's like, if you don't like it, it feels like this level of betrayal. But the truth is there are days that we just don't want to do what we do, or we're struggling with like, oh God, this client's really difficult or no idea is coming to us, but our deadline is tomorrow. And it just, it's tough. But the trade-off is there's like times when we're just having the best brainstorm session or we've come up on this concept or the script that's like super satisfying and super exciting. So the cool part is with what we do, we also get to learn new techniques. We read about new storytelling formats or ways to construct something that's really effective for a certain audience. And you're also kind of learning and, and growing your own skills along the way, which is really fun. You know, it's, it's all kind of connected to the same thing. What advice do you have for people who are starting out in a creative field and who may feel like the work they're producing doesn't yet match their aspirations? Your kind of aspirations and what you want out of life is going to keep changing. And I think that's that's kind of what growth is and that's kind of why you're creative to begin with. So it's important to remember that that part of creativity is is consumption. So you have to always remember that the way you're doing it, it might not always match with what people want to consume. So you're always going to kind of be bridging gaps in, in your creative process. If that's what you're feeling, you're probably on the right track. But yeah, I, that's, that's just kind of my two cents. Just one thing I would say if anyone takes away from this podcast is that uh, try to figure out what your skills are and what you enjoy more frequently. Try to keep figuring that out as opposed to try to decide that this is the job I want to get and I'll do everything to get that one job because that's probably going to be different by the time you graduate or it's probably going to be different post-COVID or it's probably going to be totally different and completely vanished into a different kind of a position in five years, you know, because of technology. So really... The job is evolving, but your skills and your aptitude and what you know about yourself, that is something that's always going to be in your control. So you can create the job you want. So I think it sounds philosophical, but it's so true. Thank you, Sonia and Rima, for sharing your story with our listeners. It's been fascinating hearing about how you've turned your creative storytelling lens into a business. This has been All in a Day's Work. Thanks for being with us. If you want to learn more about the services that are offered at the Wasserman Center, you can log onto our career portal, Handshake, through your NYU homepage. 
Today's episode was hosted by Haley Garofalo with episode guests Rima Dutt and Sonia Jankar. We're produced by Miriam Miller and Lily Smith, edited by Lily Smith, and created with support from Mia Beresford, Danielle Cristal, Dana Rosa, Diana Mendez, Joseph Mercadante, Carrie Pannoni, and Sarah Rosenthal. That's all in a day's work. Thanks for listening.